do a better job. Come on, hey, I'm a pussy. <laughs> Welcome to Psychocinematic, the podcast where we analyse depictions of disability and mental illness in popular film and TV. I'm your host, Stephanie Fanasia. Please note that this episode contains discussions of suicide. If this episode brings up anything for you, Lifeline is available 24-7 on 13-11-114 and Beyond Blue on 132 we acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their continued connection to the land and waters of this place and acknowledge that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. We respect all elders and ancestors and any First Nations people listening here today. Welcome back to the podcast Maz Fanasia, it's almost nine o'clock. We've had a busy day, but we're here anyway. Bitch, I did a spin class today and it was fucking horrible. I do not suggest spin. I do not suggest classes. I do not suggest uh, weaning off a dummy with your toddler when you're the only person parenting at the moment. Yeah, like maybe you could have done that like tomorrow night. Uh, I could have done it literally any other time. <laughs> no, we good, we good, we good. We live, we, we, we lose every shot we don't take. We live, we learn. We don't learn, but we do live. We live. What have you been watching at the moment, Maz? I watched The Staircase. I'm actually really good. Yeah? Um, if you're a fan of true crime and if you know the story of Michael Peterson, who most definitely killed his wife, but I guess it's up for speculation. Um, was it the owls? Fucking definitely not. And, like, maybe I've spoiled that for you, but, like, it's not really a spoiler because if you've never heard of it, who are you? But actually really, really well-made show. Is um, it? Is it, does HBO. it bring anything more to the story than just like watching the documentary? The documentary is because I rewatched the documentary like a couple of years ago, and it's, it's extremely long. It is very long. It's very procedural, obviously, because it's it gets a bit dry. But the footage of Michael Peterson really like it's very nothing will get that out of my head. Oh yeah, him like puffing on his fucking pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it like the documentary is definitely worth watching, but it's a really good overview of everything, and they present the theories on how she actually died, like recreate it. Ah. And there's one, there's like, am I spoiling? I probably am. I won't go into detail, but there's like, they, they present three scenarios on how she could have died and she actually like acted out. And it's actually like, like the first one that happens, it's like fucking out. Like it's really brutal. Oh really? Um, But it's the first time that I've been like, Oh, that could have actually happened. Like it's actually really good and it's well made and HBO and we love and Colin Firth. Yeah, and Tony Collette. Tony Collette, like slay all day. So I want to just watch it for her. Um, but Confirth does a really good job at Michael Peterson. He could be a little bit like more ridiculous, but he does he does what he does. And um, the kids are actually really like they're a lot more annoying in real life. <laughs> but um, they're good. Yeah, it's actually really good. Cool. I will watch that. I've been watching Shining Girls, man. Yeah. Have you watched the whole thing? Yeah. What did you think? Not. Not massive. Not massive. Not massive. Not massive. It. it had potential the first couple of apps, but I just, yeah, I don't know. What What was missing? Well, it's adapted from a book. Yeah. And the book is supposed to be, it just makes a lot more sense, but there's, it's, a, it's about time travel and it just gets so plot holy and Spoiler alert. Because I didn't think it was going to be about time travel until like it started to become about time travel and I was like, oh. As if you didn't know. It was no, I, I have no idea. I just, I, I thought it was really going to be about trauma and mental illness more so than anything else as well as catching 
the, the killer and then when it becomes about time travel it's like I don't oh well I'm not that interested anymore and maybe I like I actually like time travel stories usually but it just also just got really confusing and yeah. I couldn't really follow what was supposed to be happening yeah when's the new Handmaid's Tale coming out I'm like ready. is there a new one yeah the last season oh thank god yeah. it's been it's been dragged out a little bit season four wasn't too bad Season three was boring as fuck, but the last episode was everything. Oh, um, actually, something I think you need to know about Maz is one of my favorite podcasts, Just the Gist. Yeah, I subscribe to it, but I don't listen to it. Well, anyway, their latest episode, which is with Jacob Stanley and his mum, which is very cute. Who's Jacob Stanley? The co-host. Slay. <laughs> um, is about the Bhagwan Rajneesh. Uh, Bhagwan Shri Rajneesh. What, um, what are they, the, what are, the man formerly known as Osho. Osho, yes. <laughs> like com, yeah, Prince Osho. Yeah. I have an Osho book And your favourite. Um, Ma Anand Sheila. Ma Anand Sheila. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it makes me really want to watch Wild Wild Country again. I've seen it twice, actually. It's a really good documentary. So, so good. So, so good. So, um, on the note of crying in TV shows, what are we doing today, Beth? We're doing Russian Doll. Russian Doll? And I, you know, I didn't even do any re- like, cause I, like, I, I think I can kind of assume the symbolism of the Russian doll aspect of the, it's actually not called Babushka doll. It's called something else. Matri- Matryoshka doll. Matryoshka doll. Um, I didn't even like, I think we can assume that the name suggests that the more you unpack mm, the person, you there's get more to the core. Yeah. You get to the core of the person. So, mm. but, um. But in season two, that's even more like a Matryoshka doll because yeah, she's literally inside the yeah, person. It's, it's yeah, intergenerational and they're each other. Yeah, I wanted to do this uh, when we started the podcast. I had in my mobile phone, in my mobile phone, <laughs> mobile phone. in my tabs, an article about Russian doll, which I never closed for two and a half years. <laughs> No, serious, it's still there. Because the I was like, oh, well, I might forget about the article. Yeah, it's like copy the link into no. your notes or something. No. It was it even I will good not. two years later? Yeah, it was. Okay. I still used it. Because, yeah, I was like, we're definitely going to do Russian Doll. And then yeah. season two came out. Yeah. And here we are. So what's your take? Season one or two? I think I like season one better. Yeah, I do too. But, but season two was different. It was different. It was different. From a mental health aspect, I think season one resonated with me a lot more. Mm. But then season two did as well. Yeah, in different ways. Yeah. I guess it's a mental health journey from beginning to end, but yeah. it's also not just about mental health. Do you think there'll be season three? Apparently there is, yeah. Mm. I was kind of bummed because, okay, what's the history? Like, okay, let's tell our stories. If you don't know, our brother had cancer and this show came out in 2019 and the day after we found out that he was diagnosed, me and my ex-boyfriend at the time were just feeling really shitty and just like yucky and he didn't go to work that day and I didn't have work. We just sat and watched the whole thing from like start to finish. Wow. And it was actually like, like fuck him, but like a really sweet, like lovely, keep the fuck in, fuck him in. <laughs> um, it was actually like a really sweet, just like, you know, you know when you just feel like shit and you just want to lie around and just yeah. watch something all day. So I always had, like, had a fond memory of mm. watching this show because it was just tied up in a nice, like, neat little package. It was, yeah. And I didn't expect there to be a season two. I, there didn't really need to be a season two, I don't think. But it's one of those shows that season two wasn't like – it didn't really need it, but mm. it was fine because yeah. it, it had a season two. 
And I think the end of season one, there's like some resolution, but it's it ends so quickly too. Yeah, it does end very, very quickly. Yeah, it's almost like I kind of almost expected there would be yeah. a season two because it's like we still – there's, so there's much still to much learn. for these two there's characters so much to Natasha do. Leone to have <laughs> in your life. There's just so much more. I'm obsessed with her. Oh, so Jinx won soon in Snatch Game for the latest season of All Stars RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, she does Natasha Leone. She does. She does it okay. She does. No, she does a good job. She, she does, does a good, good job. job. And I, I just, could, it's I just could very Jinx to do it. I could do a better job. Come on, hey, man. I'm a uh, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> there's a TikTok of watching Russian Doll and how your voice changes through each season <laughs> and you just come up with weird little phrases like pasta la pasta. Yeah, she, like she says ipso facto. Ipso like, facto. Which kind of Cockroach. Like, like I kind of hate it but I'm like, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> so it was co-produced by Natasha Leone. Is it Leone or Leone? I'm going to say Leone like Sierra Leone but. Yeah, <laughs> Also, Amy Poehler and Leslie Headland. Who's so, Leslie Headland? So, Leslie Headland is the director of other series and movies. Um, <laughs> so, she's a director. <laughs> she's a queer female director. So, I love her immediately. But she did like Sleeping with Other People, uh, Bachelorette. Oh, yeah, that was all right. I've that- never seen. Oh, no, I have seen that. Yeah. She's, she's a talented lady. <laughs> she's a talented lady. She's a talented lady. <laughs> That'll do. And Amy Poehler, like, love her. Uh, so Russian Doll covers the experience of Nadia, played by Natasha Leone, who I deeply love. In season one on her 36th birthday, which is my age right now, by the way. Uh, oh, I said you were 35 today to someone. Oh, thanks. That's all right. That's nice. And it's um, important to remember that her mother was 36 when she died. When she died, yes. Yes. So it was a very fraught birthday it was a, for it was, her. It's a deeply meaningful birthday. Deeply meaningful she finds herself trapped in a loop where she dies and then is brought back to her birthday party at the same point over and over and over again through a multitude of ways. She eventually meets up with Alan, who is in the same time loop, and they look for ways to figure out how to stop the loops from happening. They eventually figure out that they need to somehow save the other from getting themselves killed. And it is revealed that Alan dies by suicide after a breakup. Whereas Nadia is just looking for a cat and then ends up being hit by a car. We learn about each of the characters' psyche, including Natasha's self-destructive behaviour, in a way of coping with her super traumatic childhood with her schizophrenic mother, and Alan's obsessive compulsive disorder and need for control at the detriment of his relationships and fulfilment. In season two, after four years, on her 40th birthday, Nadia finds herself still friends with Alan, coming to terms with her mother figure Ruthie, who's becoming increasingly unwell. She ends up catching the sixth train, which be- then becomes a time machine. At first, a time machine. At well, first, when you say the sixth train, like you know what that means. I, <laughs> I'm a New Yorker. Well, that's Go what on. they all say, yeah. so I said no, it. I'm on the sixth. I'm on there. Hey, at least I didn't get this off Wikipedia this time. Oh, did you, did you do this? <laughs> I did this myself. Oh, wow. Yes. That's why it's so good. <laughs> Thank you. Fuck you. <laughs> at first she becomes her mother while pregnant with her in the 80s. And then um, she goes back to uh, 1944. Hungary. Hungary yeah. as her grandmother. As her grandmother. Yeah. Yes. So we don't. We, she we doesn't never, become a great-grandmother. We don't she, meet great-grandma. No. Nadia lets Alan know about her journey and then Alan goes on to become various figures of his family's life. They both attempt to change the past that will influence and improve their future. Oh, my God, another time travel 
I know. We're just I was just about thinking that. The shiny girls. And this is the thing. I don't mind time travel. It's just when this it's- is, I think, executed quite well. Yeah. Nadia, by attempting to save the family Cougarans that were saved from World War II that her mother had lost. Alan tries by getting, trying to get his grandmother to save the love of her life from crossing the Berlin Wall. And he also kind of falls in love with her, but so query, uh, Alan is gay? Or no, he's just, he's just in love. He's in, well, he's in love. I, I think, I, I think. Like, it's not really explored and it's not really relevant like, again. I like that it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't yeah. matter that like, it's not really like, oh, he's gay. It's no. just that like, he's re- like really excited by this guy. And yeah. I like that. This doesn't, he doesn't have to be gay. No, it absolutely doesn't need to go yeah. any further. And, and that is good. I think yeah. it's just, yeah, it's, it's sweet. Cause he just seems like really like giddy. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Natasha realises that whatever she does, she cannot secure her family's and her future and reacts by managing to steal herself as a baby and brings her into the future. It whacks everything out and she has to accept, like Alan, that unfortunately the past cannot be changed and by chasing the past, she has missed out on her parent figure's death. During this time, Ruthie has passed away. She has to give herself back after one last potentially healing train ride back to the present where we all cry. (laughs) She finds herself back in the same apartment that she was trapped in on her birthday for Ruthie's wake. And that's kind of where it ends. Mm -hmm. In terms of plot, it's actually quite linear. Yeah. Even though. Even though it's chaos. Yes. So like in season one, like we only are introduced to Alan in like the fourth or third episode. Yes. And it's like, I don't know, like the first three episodes without him are fine. But yeah. And then, then having him is like good too. I don't know. I just, I, I, I like, think he's necessary in yeah. season two. And of, yeah. obviously they are connected. So yeah. it has to be two of them. Less necessary in season two, I think. Mm. Apart from the fact that, which we'll get to, Nadia doesn't really connect with many people, like keep them close, but yeah, she but obviously connect has with, connect yeah, with yeah. Alan and kept him close since the since the 36th birthday so i think it's an important in terms of like the support that yeah. she needs but at the same time like he's a supporting character yeah and he therefore deserves a plot line yeah lived experience let's talk about lived experience um so let's talk about natasha there's lots i didn't realize like obviously i first was exposed to her through Orange is the New Black. Oh, right oh so this is where our age gap will, will be very evident <laughs> what was your like uh, Slums Park. of Beverly Hills. What I've what I've never heard of it's this movie. It's from the nineties. It was on Foxtel a lot, oh. and it's a young, young Natasha Leone in her breakout role, and she's fucking great in it. And <laughs> there's a scene where she um, is it really her breakout role? Experiences a vibrator for the first time, and she's just so happy. And I remember watching that and being like, oh, "That's so wrong." You're not supposed to be happy using a sex toy because well, I was supposed going to, to a religious school. What do they do <laughs> about sex toys? No, they're like, you just can't even think about sex. Hello. It's got David Cromwell's in it, so you know it's. Yes! It's a great movie. In Orange is the New Black. She's very Natasha Leone. She's basically yeah. what we assume she is like in real life. Yeah. 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 Um, but she's also like a heroin addict. And I think part of her plot line is she has heart failure or open heart surgery. I think like yeah. her, her scar is like integrated into the plot, which yes. I then read is actually happened. Really? Um, in Natasha's life? Yeah. Le- Leone, Leone underwent open heart surgery in 2012 to correct heart valve damage caused by a heart infection, which could have resulted in a sudden death if untreated. Wow. So they wrote that into Orange is the New Black or I just, just I, the fact that she had the scar? I don't I, – I, I, 
We're not doing oranges and new black, so bitch. No, I, I do not. I'm not. And we never will, sorry. I'm not 100% sure how it was incorporated, but I feel like that specific, like something to do with her having a heart problem was incorporated into it. But she was admitted um, to a medical center in Manhattan, suffering from hepatitis C, a heart infection, and a collapsed lung. She was also undergoing methadone treatment for heroin addiction. In 2006, a warrant was issued for her arrest. She missed a court hearing, which isn't really... So she's been through some stuff. Yeah, she, yeah. well, like in terms of drugs. Yeah. Um, Especially, it, like it looks like in the early 2000s, she yeah. not only was quite addicted, but was selling as well. Yes. Not that that really, that too. honestly, <laughs> makes makes it worse or anything. But yeah, she's had she, a, was a, she was a drug dealer. She was a small business owner. She was a small business owner. <laughs> um, she went into acting at mm. six years old. Her parents sort of got her really? in. Really? I didn't realize she was so young. Yeah, like in ads and stuff and mm. movies. And then she ended up estranging herself from her parents when she was 16 years old. Um, like a Drew Barrymore situation? I think so. Did that happen to Drew Barrymore? Oh, yeah, similar, yeah. And maybe that's... Maybe they're friends. I don't know. Um, <laughs> just like maybe that's why they're friends. Hopefully. I don't think they are. I know that her and Chloe seven years are oh, besties. Yeah. yeah, and Chloe had a pretty. She was pretty young when she started acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, um, digress. Yeah, she was really like, why would you put me through that at six years old? Because obviously she has one of those classic child actor syndromes where she went on a bender kind of after. Yeah. The fame struck pretty early. It's funny though because I feel like. She kind of was pretty prompt. I guess this probably lines up with her addiction and mental health issues. Like she obviously came up in the 90s and then had a pretty big gap, it seems. In the 2000s. Yeah. And then, I don't know, I feel like in my head, Orange is the New Black. Yeah. With her re Sort of brought her back. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, she was in American Pie too. She was in all the sequels. that was still. That was still pretty early. That's like early 2000s. 2000s. Yeah. 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 I think she did a lot of um, theatre. As well. She pretty much created this show. Like, yes. And knowing like a tiny snippet about her life is like, yeah, okay, I understand this show is about you. Yeah. She was saying, I just was reading, there were so many articles, so yeah, that was good on her. Well, wealth of articles about this. I'm glad lots of people wanted to talk to her about it. But um, she said that it's a lot of it is her personally alluding to her chaotic childhood and history with addiction. And she mentioned that there's a lot of stuff that, they don't talk about or that we're ashamed of family histories and stuff like that. And it's not as rare as we like to pretend, which I agree. It's like very common. I don't think it's rare at all. I think like every, if you are a family and you like claim to not have any trauma or like suffering, you're a dog shit liar. Or you've just got like really fucking great parents in childhood. That doesn't exist, Steph. (laughs) No. <laughs> hey, Casper's going to have one of those. Well, <laughs> honey, the right things are going. <laughs> not, not with you. Once, once he has that dummy back, he'll be fine. Yeah, she just said that it's becoming a director, actor and producer has given her a window into the human condition more than she thinks she's exercising personal demons through her work. And then she says, in other words, no, my mother did not give birth to me on the subway tracks at Astor PlayStation while I was time traveling. Is that like, good? That's like <laughs> pretty good, yeah. Uh, like at the start, I was like, oh, no. But then <laughs> you follow right, through. You follow right. through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, fuck. Okay, here's some more of my research. Yeah, go on. Um, so this, uh, like in terms of fam- familial stuff, she grew up between Israel and New York. Um, I feel like she was born in Israel. Yeah, I think I read that as well. Um, so very Jewish. Um, She's like, her family was Hungarian, Israeli, and they were Holocaust survivors. Yes. Yeah. 
the show like heavily mirrors the instability of Natasha's life and Nadia's life mm. in across both of those realms. So yeah, I think I didn't really find anything about her talking about her intergenerational trauma or her parents or family as Holocaust survivors. But um, allegedly her maternal grandparents, like her characters, were survivors of the Holocaust and struggled to deal with the fallout from the horrors of the Holocaust, um, (laughs) passing on what Leon in a recent New Yorker profile called Damaged Love. I like that because it's like you still love your kids but it's damaged love. Yeah. So this is also – I've taken this word for word from an article. This isn't my own – Words, but in exploring these personal demons, Leon recalls writers like Philip Roth, who often uses his novels to explore the impact of the Holocaust on children of survivors. But she picks up another generation down the line, showing even subtler and more convoluted ways in which the Holocaust impacts the psyche of third generation descendants, no matter how distant they are from the event itself. So it's all about how trauma um, carries down. Down the line. It's trickle yeah. down. It's trickle down. Tr- trauma. Con- economics. Trickle but trauma. down economical trauma. Absolutely. Um, it's upsetting because I'd love to speak to that from a lived experience perspective, but we just have no fucking clue about No, we our really family. have. And there's surely is some shit, but we don't speak Italian. I don't know what else there is to say apart from that. She really brought herself to this role and her various experiences, which really painted the character. And I think top marks for lived experience because Sorry. she pretty much is the character is the character and she i'm sure amazing. she stomps around new york in her oh, trench coats sure. and her wild hair and her ciggies she's always chewing on oh, yeah. just want a beer let's talk about alan so he was played by charlie barnett uh fun fact courtney barnett's maternal grandmother <laughs> what <laughs> doesn't make any sense did you know that alan and Courtney Barnett are not related. Oh. Fun fact. Did you Google that? <laughs> oh. I don't know. I assume they're not related. So Charlie talks a lot about Alan in various publications and basically how much he relates to that character, which is great because I don't know how his character came about, but it was pretty perfect casting if mm. that's the case. Um, he said, like, I'm a terrified person and Alan is terrified half the time, so it worked. But he did say that the characters were developed and written with a lot of the the actors' influence and experience put in. And he also said that in the first season that he was fully an alcoholic. But he also thought that Alan was, you know, had similar patterns of his behaviour but more binging. Um, um, but, like, just to say, like, he in quotations said he was fully an alcoholic. Yes. That's what you mean. Like, he's fully an alcoholic. Yeah. No, no, admit, yeah. yeah that's a, a his full, fully-fledged alcoholic. Um, and he said that, you know, they both deal with depression and have both dealt with suicidal reactions and moments and thoughts. And he really sort of was able to go to those places because he knew his own situation and circumstances. So, like, fuck. He really related. He really brought his own experience to the role. Fucking wow. And it obviously the set was very open to that happening in a in a safe way. I really love this. I need to tell you this thing too because, you know, in season two he basically becomes his grandmother who is a black uh, woman in a, in a very white racist mm, place. West. No, East uh, Germany. East yeah. Germany. I always get confused. So, oh, simple, so do I. Don't worry. And he actually said he was actually adopted by white parents when he was four years old and he's a biracial black 
queer man. So he's obviously got some abandonment issues there, but he did say he's got a good relationship with his birth parents now. But he did tell Natasha that he did not want to be taking over a black woman's storyline literally because Mm. he is playing a black woman like he's in her body. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Okay. He said, thankfully, Natasha was willing to hear that and incorporate a lot more of Carolyn's, who is the grandmother, to see her in the situation in the moments more than just his own reality, Mm -hmm. which is good. I don't have that lived experience, but I didn't see it as a man talking for a woman. No, uh, yeah, because if you think of comparison, like Nadia, when she's um, her mother, you see a lot less shots or representations of her being her mother. Yes. But in Alan's storyline, he, like, visually. He's is, not really there. Like, he's, yeah. he's mostly. The, he's mostly the actor depict- who plays his grandmother. He's, yeah, he's mostly depicted as the grandma, kind of. And, oh, it's a lot, it's a lot more equally weighted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Um, just a few things as well. Amy Poehler, I read her biography. She's experienced depression, anxiety, and postpartum depression as well. You feeling that right I now? I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> so the genesis of the series apparently started seven years earlier after Poehler remarked that Natasha Leon was always the oldest girl in the world and they both sort of talked about a female character being many things at once but the only way to have a female character that complex would be to redo the part repeatedly and hence Russian girl was born. Russian girl. <laughs> Russian girl. <laughs> What's the show about? It's about a Russian girl. It's about girl. a Russian girl. <laughs> Sorry, she's not fucking Russian. I yeah. think she say that her uh, father's side is Russian. That's what she said in the there show. There you go, yeah. And also Natasha Leone and Amy Poehler and Leslie Headland put together an all-female team of writers and directors. So fuck yeah. Uh, have Amy Poehler and Natasha Leone like, worked together before? I don't know. They're obviously very good friends. I think they've done comedy stuff. A lot together because, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I saw a lot of pictures of from SNL and stuff. Elizabeth Ashley, who plays Ruthie, is a survivor of sexual assault. Just a little aside there. Um, Not that which that comes into it. Ruthie? There's actually three actors who play Ruthie. Oh, my God. Well, Elizabeth Ashley plays older Ruthie. Okay. Yeah. The, the consistent Ruthie. Not um, Annie Morgan. Because, yeah, in season one she's a uh, – I don't know the actress's name. And then in season two Elizabeth she's Ashley. She, younger Ruthie in oh, season one. Oh, it's somebody else. Yeah. Yes. And then in season two she's um, Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek, yeah. yeah. Didn't even realise it was her for a while. It's funny. It's, like, so mm. out of, like, just, like, not, like, her character. But it's also very clear that it's Ruthie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She does a really good job. They, it's really well casted, yeah. I think. <sighs> ah. Uh, Leslie Headland, who's the other showrunner, is um, gay and raised in a strict Catholic household and was an assistant to Harvey Weinstein for a year. So she's had a lot of trauma in her life. Um, She's had depression. Who hasn't? And there's an article saying that much of her work focuses on cultural vandalism and also addiction is a thing that plays heavily into her projects. She says, I'm attracted to stories about people who have created prisons for themselves and are trying to get out of them. Truthful. And Leslie Headland and the character who plays Lizzie, Rebecca Henderson, are married. Which one's Lizzie? She's the one who is the best friend with Maxine. Sweet birthday baby, not her, the other one. Yeah, yeah. So like the... Blonde hair, yeah. So we've established this good lived experience. Accuracy. So there's a lot of fucking mental illnesses in this show. Um, Illness. 
Elnai, I guess the first big one for me is complex PTSD, mm-hmm. which you could probably say many of the characters have, but mainly Natasha slash Nadia. What that is, is, so it's basically post-traumatic stress disorder, but when it's happened repeatedly and there's quite a lot, lots of traumas at once and over a long period of time. Lots of trauma over a long period so, of time. So, for example, like I did in the little TikTok I made for Land Before Time, Littlefoot's mum dies, he gets chased by a fucking tar- Tyrannosaurus oh, so all those Rex. Little, little things happen all together. No, and- I'm just giving you a picture. And they're also living in drought and famine. So it's like the trauma of having to struggle through famine plus the big events that have happened the accumulation accumulation and also over a long period of time it's like it's ptsd it's not simple it's complex yeah yeah i know what it is so people with cptsd as it's also called tend to experience the core symptoms of ptsd as well as disturbances in their thoughts behaviors and emotions which is including and i'll sort of refer it back to what we see in russian doll Mm -hmm. difficulties expressing emotions So it's common for people to lose control of their emotions, such as explosive anger or persistent sadness. But I think it's kind of more that Natasha or Nadia avoids emotions in Russian Dolls. She doesn't really ever get angry, even when shit happens to her. Like she has a sort of snarky quips. Her baseline is kind of heightened, I think. Exactly. that's why it's like... So she stays on that baseline. Yeah, like she's always like a lot... Um, but I think like when um, the guy that she's like was dating and they've been broken up for like six months every time. He oh, no, wasn't it his ex, her ex-husband? It wasn't her ex-husband. Was th- so. Oh, not the guy that she's banging. Watch the show. Yeah, no, she has an ex-husband. She does not have an ex-husband. Yes, she does. No, she doesn't. She was dating a man who divorced his wife. Like she broke up their marriage. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, but like in season one, it's been like, he's not a character in season two, but in season one, it's been six months since they've like last spoken Mm. or whatever. And he ends up being invited to the birthday party and that's how he's involved in the plot. Yeah. And every, like in multiple loops, he's there and just trying to talk to her about stuff and she's always avoiding it. Just totally avoiding it. Yeah. Just emotions are too hard in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, tick the box. <laughs> uh, negative self-belief. A person can view themselves in a negative light and they might feel helpless, guilty or ashamed. I definitely get that vibe with Nadia because she definitely doesn't feel like she deserves most things. Like she doesn't even come to her – she almost doesn't come to a party. Like she's like she doesn't think she deserves a party. Mm-hmm. In a very kind of like uh, – like Aloof way? Yeah, in a, in a way that's not so much obvious but I think – that's at the core of what she's like. She can't, she plays it off. Yeah, she plays yeah. it off. Like, eh, what are yeah. you going to do? Blah, blah. Um, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. That, was, that was a little bit of the hormone monster and big mouth. Is like, <laughs> also, like it leads into the next criteria that it affects her problems with maintaining relationships mm-hmm. because she doesn't think she deserves a party. So she yeah. like doesn't come early and she leaves super early or you know in the various time loops she you know they're like oh you're gonna leave yeah and they're kind of like almost expected as well so yeah it's, obviously a it's pattern, a pattern. yeah um so because she has low self-worth that also affects how people think she feels about them which is not true but she just doesn't think she deserves good things she also has lots of guilt over her mom and feels like she killed her by not wanting to live with her and she clearly uses drugs and sex um to sort of cope with 
uh, that negative self. Like she sort of engages in reckless or destructive behavior, um, which is common when you don't like yourself very much. I just really – like her and the smoking, I just I, I fucking like because it's just I just like she loves smoking. She loves she's always smoking, and I'm just like I fucking love you. <laughs> and, and she just like she just do like there's that like um la- like time lapse of her um just like doing drugs at the party. Yeah, and stuff. And I just yeah. Just love it. I'm just like you are so me. It's such a good uh, scene that one yeah. with um I go to sleep is the song that's playing. It's just like oh because it's like I don't know it's actually she's like, just like trying to escape from everything yeah. and just be in that like. Because it's like a funny show. It is funny. I found, but that's a pretty depressing bit. Yeah. Upon rewatch, I found it a lot funnier than I did the first time. Maybe because I was depressed because Nick had cancer. But Possibly. It's funny because it's like peppered in these like really like emotional, like sad little things. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like I said, the next criteria is problems maintaining healthy relationships due to lack of trust. In some cases, avoid relationships completely mm-hmm. or unhealthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Definitely avoidance, although she has really good friends. She's definitely like she keeps, keeps them sort of – she doesn't want to get too dependent on them. Yeah. The only person she really trusts is Ruthie. Yes. Um, yes. Who is like her parent figure. Mm-hmm. And Alan's really the first person that she kind of lets in her life Yeah, for a while. And even with Ruthie too, because of all those feelings and stuff, she even avoids kind of being there for her in season two. It's yeah, yeah, she's kind of avoid, but she's also time traveling. Like she's got shit to I do. I mean, she got shit to do, baby. Yeah. Um, and the last one is ongoing feelings of emptiness, which often is covered up by drugs and alcohol, sex, and like the, the I guess it's not a to me. It's not an obsession, but I think. In season one, there's like the obsession with their cat. Yeah, but to me, it's like, where's my fucking know, cat? It's like the metaphor. I feel like it's supposed to be like a metaphor or something. Schrodinger's <laughs> cat. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like it's trying. It's like a metaphor for something, and like, this is a problem between like Alan's loop and Nadia's loop because like there's a lot of meaning tied to Alan completing suicide mm. as the way he dies, but Nadia just gets hit by a car. But I think the point to me, the point of her just getting hit by a car and then continuing to die continuing to die in all these other ways although he does too i'm pretty sure like in various ways is her recklessness like it's her recklessness and not looking after herself Mm. and putting herself first that is what creates the death i think maybe that's where they're trying to go with that yeah and it's kind of how they notes on that somewhere it'll come up because i think the point of this first season is how they stop themselves from dying and it's yeah the, the i guess the key is to love themselves and to love each other Yes. And help each other. And be open to it. Mm. Um, yeah, I've written some notes about CPTSD. Tell um, me. And I think specifically about maybe season two. I was re-watching the scene last night as well and I still, 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 like, still like teared up. And like I really, I don't know, it's really sad because there's um, at the end of season two when she has that kind of like healing journey in the train um, when her, her mum asks her like if you, had, if you could go back and choose – if you know I was your mother, would you choose me? And I think she says yes, and it just makes what me she so- says is, "Well, I didn't choose you the first time, so what does that mean?" I think yes, I would now. I would is now. What she's trying to say, yeah, but yeah, she yeah. because she's Nadia, she can't just say that. Yeah, yeah, she can't. She can't say yes, obviously. Mm. Um, and it's just so sad because it's like, no, I would not choose my mother. <laughs> like it's just like it just I don't know the whole thing, and and like. That's the whole thing with like CPTSD and trauma. It's because I like I know that that trauma and all that shit makes me who I am and mm. gives me this like vibrant personality that I love. But I also like just don't take that all back. I don't want that. Yeah, and it's just like really I, confusing. You'd like that without 
the shit. Like I'd <laughs> like to be who I am and to have, be like self-deprecating and have like a funny little weird stories to tell. But like I just don't want to f- – I don't want those memories. Like I don't want to feel like – I don't know. It's just really, mm. really – I don't know. I, th- I think I know what you mean because, you know, on one hand I'm grateful for the experiences that have made me who I am and have made me like, you know, appreciative and – able to acknowledge privilege where it is and see and be passionate about the things I'm passionate about etc because part of me thinks if I hadn't gone through those things I wouldn't be that way no but then I think I want made me an empathetic person yeah but then I want my son to not go through anything (laughs) bad (laughs) but what if he turns out to be a real dickhead I don't I want him to have all those same passions too but I I feel like there's there are ways, there to, are ways do to do that I without hope, traumatizing each other. I really the hope there are. But it's like all these horrible, like say like Elon Elon Musk. No, not him. Let's like, not talk about it. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> but like these people that like I like this picture of a person in my head who are like really just like arrogant, really confident, and just annoying, and like just love themselves. Is that because they haven't had that trauma? Like, is that do we need it? Well, I guess there's the other side of like we see trauma as when people treat you bad but sometimes it's also when people treat you too well yeah and so will we call that trauma no well it's just like not teaching things like you know not not allowing your child to develop a good sense of self Mm -mm 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 -mm. that isn't narcissistic essentially Mm. so you know what is resilience it's going through ups and downs and being able to bounce back from that not just like thinking you're the best at everything yeah Okay. And that's what you want to teach kids. Yeah. Education. I reckon you'll we'll, – we'll see how guys will turn out. Like it's <laughs> he just could a, be traumatized it's just, yet. It's just a <laughs> waiting game. He's being traumatized right now. Game. But also another point, it also made me doubly sad mm. that – um, Nadia's mother like does like just seems to really love Nadia like mm. she's like very like just you and me against the world baby and you're the only one that understands me but at the same time saying that to your child it's also not, is not yeah, healthy it's not healthy not, yeah not like healthy. you're the only one who understands me that's your child that's, that's not, not up to them to understand you yeah. and you're seeing them more as their you're the child and that I think also leads to the reason why Nadi feels so guilty about her mum yes, dying because she things feels like, that. like she led to her yeah death because she chose not to be with her because she felt she was responsible yeah. for her and like Ruthie says um we're all unreliable narrators of our own stories Ruthie's great I love her yeah I'll get to more of her um but I think it's a really good point because children end up blaming themselves for things that happen and also memory is so fickle like you remember things completely different to how that actually happened mm. but I do really relate to Nadia and Natasha Leone I assume to some extent um because everything's relative it seems like her childhood was more traumatic than mine was but whatever but I feel like I've used drugs and not so much alcohol but just like those certain coping mechanisms in the same way and that's my bit Slight. but also <laughs> I'm not as like devil may care nonchalant um <laughs> as her i'm a bit more alan in that same way because more, he's he's still more likes to be in control yeah mm. he's still very structured in some way because i allegedly have ocd traits allegedly allegedly <laughs> my psychologist told me um, but i also noticed as well like he binges a lot which i yeah really yeah up he on does, that. like he yeah. really it's like kind of peppered in there it's really interesting yeah he binge eats and he also binge drinks as well yeah mm. and i just like not relevant but whatever. Yeah. like I f- especially recently I find myself 
especially when I'm poor and when I'm just not feeling like great, like eating will just give me this like dopamine rush and I'll just mm. eat and eat and eat and eat. And it is, comf- it's like, I'm only realizing it now. I'm like actually identifying it as comfort eating. Like I actually understand it now, like what's mm. going on inside my brain. Like I don't feel good. This makes me feel good. I want to keep doing yeah. that. I don't know. Even though mm. I, I guess I knew that, but it's only like clicking now because mm. I'm like, I love, I really love that can of Coke. Like she is actually like very smart. She's a computer coder mm. or a, a game creator, whatever. Yeah. And I think at some point, like she's talking about the game that she made. No, she's talking about like epigenetic. No, epigenetics. I think that happens in season two. She's talking about the relativity and time and the time loop and stuff like that. And Alan yeah. goes like, you're actually really smart. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I am. But it's just like, and I think Natasha Leone is really smart. Cause she, she must be referenced a lot of like physics books and science books. I don't know. I don't know what the specific word is, but, um, quantum mechanics, quantum, quantum mechanics, quantum physics books really? um, that she'd read <laughs> really around this, this show. And That's she's insane. like, I don't understand it, but I like reading it. Yeah. Um, it's like, clearly she like, does enough to read the whole book. Sometimes I like to read about pharmacology. Okay. <laughs> Guys, it gets anything what, more boring. And the contradictions or however you fucking say it, but like this. Contraindications. Whatever. That well, I say contraindictions. <laughs> contraindictions. What, what the, the, this, <laughs> what this receptor does to the D cell. It's interesting, mm. but I don't understand it. But I, You could be a chemist. I could be. Could be. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you are. There's a little chem. Okay. So on the note of CPTSD. Uh, which I think is depicted very well. Yeah. Intergenerational trauma is also a big focus. I think we, we've talked about we've that. We've talked yeah. about intergenerational trauma many times. But, yeah, I just think that is also very clear, particularly in the fact that, you know, Nadia is brought back into time and is convinced that all these things led to where she is now, which mm-hmm. is true. Yeah. I don't know. I like time travel in that in that way when, when things, like, end up looping back. Looping around. back. I, yeah. like the, I like it. Uh, it's sad, but I like it. And I like the, the metaphor that that uh, old gross guy talks about, Coney Island. Oh, yeah, he says yeah. that there's always that one thing that you think you could change and would change everything, but it's just fucking bullshit. Yeah, and that's the point too. Like we can't go back and change the past. Nadia and Alan couldn't change the past. Yeah. But what we can or have some control in doing is processing it in order to stop the cycle, I guess, and – um, heal from the past. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it cannot be changed, sadly. When you're repressed oh. and well, that's you know, also I bad. haven't done a very good job of that. Repress repressing. No. <laughs> no, that's not a bad thing, Matt. Oh, no, it isn't. Repressing I, uh, bad. I dissociate, but I don't repress. Good on you. On purpose. Well done. At least. Thank you. <laughs> Let's talk about obsessive compulsive disorder. Which you apparently <laughs> allegedly have some traits of. I don't. I do too. I don't have. It's more um, obsessional anxiety. Uh, what's it? It's, like, it's got like big, big, big O, OCD or something. Oh, yeah, like more obsessive and more compulsive sort of thing. Yeah. Well, so well, let me just say obsessive compulsive disorder is basically highlighted by a presence of obsessions, compulsions, or both. Obsessions are recurrent and persistent thoughts, urges, or images that are experienced at some time during the disturbance as intrusive, unwanted, and that in most in- individuals causes lots of anxiety or distress. And the individual attempts to ignore or suppress such thoughts, urges, or images, or neutralize them with some thought or action. For example, by performing a compulsion, and a compulsion is a repetitive behavior, 
for example, the age-old hand washing, ordering, checking, turning the uh, your key a million times, etc., or mental acts, for example, praying, counting, repeating words silently. I used to repeat the words so when I was little, so, so, so. Really? So. Yep, don't know why. Also, I always skipped three. <laughs> three is yellow, two is blue. <laughs> Eight's brown. Green. Anyway, (laughs) so the compulsions, the person feels driven to perform in response to an obsession or according to the rules that must be applied rigidly. So it's like if I do X, Y, and Z, then I won't kill someone. Yeah. So I think that is probably like I don't have compulsions. Well, I don't tend to. It's more obsessionality. So Mm -hmm. I think that I was reading about it's like big O. Like Mm. some, but like it's more like. Sometimes this has happened with Casper a lot. Sometimes I'll be like, say, for instance, like he was on Nick's bed and I was like, oh, my God, he's just going to fall off and crack his head open. Yeah, like, yeah, and you can't stop thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. I was like, and so I, that's, I picture it in my head. It's like, that's like an intrusive thought. Yeah, it's like, yeah, and it's an obsessive intrusive thought that mm. like – and it, it could be like little things like that or it could be things I just like – And when I'm the most anxious, I get a lot of intrusive thoughts. Yeah. yeah. But Prozac <laughs> – um, Rosa, I am being treated for that with a higher dose of Prozac, which has really helped. So good on you, Prozac. Yeah, yeah good on you, Prozac. Well and my wonderful psychiatrist can't recommend her enough. I'm not going to tell you who she is, but she's great. <laughs> <laughs> with Alan, we don't quite see compulsions as much, or at least I couldn't really tell when I look back. It's hard because he's obviously. <sighs> it's all very inner, too often with OCD. Yeah, but it's Not also always. like he's developed a routine because he's living the same day yes. as well. Like, and he knows exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. which But he likes that, so I kind of it does make sense. That's right. Yeah. And compared to Nadia who's like, I'm going to try and change this and this and this and see if that has an, another outcome. Alan, like, sticks to the routine every yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so it's obviously you can see how he deals with the time loop is very obsessive compulsive disorder yes. type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you can see based on the conversation with his ex-girlfriend that clearly the OCD has impacted their relationship yeah. very much and probably for a very long time. And they talk about his mental health issues. So he obviously has ups and downs quite a lot. Mm. I did, yeah, I, I was reading something and someone mentioned autism as a possible diagnosis. I just kind of threw that in there and it's just a... Just throwing it out into the void, but I yeah. don't. Yeah, I, I don't, don't really. See, I didn't really see it in him. Just cause I didn't think there was enough of a picture. Yeah. Um. I think. I think the show really hones in on the fact that he probably has OCD. Well, like, he says that he does, does, doesn't he? He talks about routine a lot. Like, yeah. Well, oh, maybe he just alludes to it. But I think it could be autism. But I think I think OCD sort of better explains what we see. Um. It could be both. Um. Which bit. can happen as well. Comorbidity. Comorbidity. But I think with autism, usually repetitive behaviours are for a different sort of purpose. It's yeah. more um, a regulating thing rather than having the compulsion, driving the thought and relaxing the anxiety that the thought brings. Yes, yes, yes. So yes, it's a really yes. different process. Oh, my God, Slay. What, what did you think about the accuracy, Maz, of the suicidality oh, yeah. of was, Alan? I think in I think it's the last episode of season one, they go back to relive each other's loops mm. and Alan is reliving the first time that he dies um, and he's giving away all of his possessions to strangers Yeah, um, and he's really happy, like he's overjoyed. And mm. um, Nadia like says like, I know what you're doing. Like she knows like how he dies the first time. So she says like, I know you're thinking about ending your life, like common like 
common traits, you're giving away all your possessions, blah, blah, blah. And I just thought it was really like, obviously I know this, like I, I knew that already, but I think mm. it's like, edu- it's like almost educational. Yeah. It's like a really good thing to point out. Like, okay, that's the behavior that's actually, he's engaging in and that's what explaining what he's doing. It's not just him being like wild and free. Actually, he's fine now. He's yeah. happy. Yeah. He's a happy boy. Yeah. We don't have to worry and about him. And obviously, again, she she's smart enough to recognize that. And yeah. I just that was good. Yeah. And that is a very common thing that happens with anyone who has decided they're going to end their life mm. is, is that sort of happy time and yeah. everyone thinking, oh, you seem like you're doing all right. Yeah, because he does. Actually, he ends up like giving all his money. Oh, he ends up giving his the engagement ring to that um, what's his homeless name? person? The homeless horse. Horse. Yeah. yeah. Who like I like him, and I like how he's always trying to give her a haircut. It's funny. <laughs> I'm gonna cut your hair. Um, but I don't really understand his role, but that's fine. Um, I saw horses like an example of how Nadia is just wants to be friends with everyone and mm. has no judgment like sees everyone as equal because maybe because of what she's gone through like yeah and when he she watches his shoes whereas other people wouldn't do yeah. that yeah it was really sweet yeah but i also feel like you know how they freeze to death mm. i just feel like they probably wouldn't like it didn't look that cold she had a lot of alcohol it would, wouldn't that have made yeah that's what i'm saying yeah like wouldn't she have lived yeah, I think I, I just. I love how she said, "Are we frozen? It's fucking dark, or whatever she says." But I just don't feel like it was cold enough for them to freeze to death. But Maz, you haven't been through a New York winter. Yeah, but I've been through like a, a pretty snowy, icy winter, and it just does not look. Where cold was enough. that? Well, North Korea, coldest place ever been. Oh, actually, China probably similar area, but very, very, very cold. Let's talk What's about schizophrenia. So it is actually said that her mum has schizophrenia. Yeah, she does. She says at, the, at the end, it's like, why is it so bad to have paranoid schizophrenia and have this baby? Yeah. Yeah, she yeah. says. I think that's not, It's definitely said at least once. Like, yeah, yeah. That's the only time I remember it being said, but yeah, obviously, yeah, that's what's going on. So we kind of get to know Lenora. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, they call her Nora. More in the second season. They only kind of see some flashbacks in the first season, but it's also paints a pretty heavy picture. Yeah. So schizophrenia, which we have talked about in previous episodes, but just in case, this is the DSM-5 criteria, which I'm referring to because this show was created at the time and they're conveying a character who has schizophrenia. So I think I can still suggest the DSM-5 is worth looking at. What, has it been updated since? Yes, since the 80s when we first see Lenora. Oh, right. Okay, I (laughs) thought you meant since like 2019. (laughs) No, no, no. Um, But it wouldn't be much different than this anyway. So two or more of the following for at least one month or longer, delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, uh, grossly disorganized or catatonic behavior, and negative symptoms, which are like diminished emotional expression, etc., mm-hmm. an impairment in one of the major areas of functioning for a significant period of time since the onset of the disturbance. So, work, interpersonal relations, or self care. Um, it needs to happen for at least six months with at least one month of symptoms. I mean, it's pretty clear that this is a very long experience for mm-hmm. uh, Nadia's mum. I think we see. Most of those things, I don't know if we, we don't see like hallucinations per se, but like we see very much disorganized behavior and um, diminished emotional expression. I think Chloe Sevigny does that yeah, very she's well. she's very like. Just, she's always a bit like that though. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's always a little bit wooden if you but ask she, me. Um, but she's funny. I like her. Yeah. And like there's like a couple of 
times like or she's like talking to strangers and she's just like fucking like what the fuck or like just like yeah. frowning at them or yeah. like, what are you looking at yeah yeah just very which is very much the paranoid schizophrenia type yeah um and also like the fact that when Nat- when nadia became becomes lenora no one like bats an eyelid at the stuff she says that makes no sense so yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. what she sort of says all the time so yeah. it's very much in line with her sort of symptomology already yeah um and it's very clear that it impairs her functioning yes and smashing the mirrors and stuff as well is what would that be just like a it could be there's a hallucination in the mirrors or um yeah she's she's experiencing some sort of delusion that there's a metaphor there too maybe they can see her in the mirrors or something like that oh yeah like there's like a metaphor for that as well i feel like mirrors are smashed a lot and then like fractured psyche (gasps) And then she's um, always, yeah, and like when, gotta get up, gotta get up. Uh, and I'm then like, she's always looking in the mirror. In the mirror, and it's one of those kind of weird mirrors that's not a. I'm actually really into that. I've like just recently been just, listening to that song before. Oh my God, I can't listen to that song ever again. <laughs> it's still really like it. It's a really song. good song. I do sing it to Casper in the morning sometimes. So, oh, there's another thing. One criteria is that the disturbance is not caused by the effects of a substance, which isn't clear because she's obviously on a lot of drugs. But I think yeah. we could, for the sake of the show, say it wasn't because of drugs. Mm. Also, I was thinking as well, like the effects of like, because she does like quaaludes and um, something black, black beauties or something, which I don't actually know what that is. Mm. Um, and then she like snorts cocaine and she's obviously chain smoking, just like the effects that would have on a child is like. Oh, huge. Yeah. So there's not a, not just the impact of the mental illness on Natasha as a kid, but also some of that, perhaps the um, prenatal stuff mm. which would have impacted her too. Because often kids that are born with mums who are addicts are born addicted Addictive, to that. Yes. The, the experiences of that on a child is very similar to trauma and also well, yeah i can like, like your need more research on that it's very very interesting there is some re- there is some research it's, yeah, it's kind of like read it yeah okay. um all right <laughs> do it but it's like your your uh baseline sort of arousal level is higher so kind of like like throughout at, life forever yeah True. so it's trying to because that's really messed up with the what does that mean physiological symptoms what's uh, a baseline arousal level like your calm level so, so for me heightened. Yeah, your your natural level is already so high. So on drugs. No, she's just fucked. <laughs> Keep that. No, up. no, that can happen with trauma too. Some other common features or symptoms include anxiety and phobias, lack of insight into the disorder, and hostility and aggression, which I think we see her mum have a lot. Mm-hmm. I was reading an article about the theory about with the schizophrenia and how it plays in in terms with the time travel and Nadia and Lenora because the time – so from what we see, the time travelling occurs during Lenora's – like one of Lenora's episodes. So is the fact that Nadia is inside her mum's body causing everyone to assume she's having an episode mm. or – is obviously she gets committed or committed or she gets sectioned sectioned um like did did nadia cause that to happen but at the same time like you said before non-batsanai so like it's uh, Mm. probably it's consistent with what she's already established pattern yeah also like it was that like a reddit thread or some bullshit no 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 i was just i was one of the articles no it was an article i just think like can you can we just 
Like, I just don't know how that's helpful. Like, or maybe Nadia actually, because she time travel created. Well, yeah, that's not helpful. Schizophrenia. That's also. Okay, I'm just going to delete it. (laughs) No, no, no. I want to talk about it because I hate it when, you know, we can analyze stuff to a point, but when we go, oh, maybe it was the time travel that actually created her mum, you know, Mm. having these traits. It's like, can we just fucking acknowledge that schizophrenia is is a thing that exists and not like say it's created by some science fiction thing like mm. fuck off <laughs> sorry yeah no, I, I just it's it just speaks to more stigma feel yeah sorry yeah I just for the purpose of the podcast I didn't didn't love it the idea no because it. it just it isn't helpful it's just like whatever no like, also I, it doesn't make sense in the context of the whole show where no. she has to deal with the and heal from the trauma that her her mum's illness But caused. also we do see in season one her also exhibiting traits of schizophrenia yeah. as well. So it's clearly there. It's not It's just already been happening. But, you know, it's like the time loop. Time space loop. Space-time continuum. Ah, let's not go there is what I'm saying. Okay. Got that all out? No. Um, anything else in terms of accuracy that you want to talk about, Maz? Nadia asks – I don't really – I don't know, actually. Nadia asks Ruthie, like, what was her diagnosis? Like, what was wrong with her? Mm. And then Ruth says, do not confuse your mother with her damage. But then this – ar- I like that message. But then it's also, like, Lenora's damage, though clearly damaged Nadia. Yeah. More than ways than one. So it's like – I guess Ruthie – obviously Ruthie <laughs> really loved Lenora and they were, like, best friends. Mm. But I think Ruthie's it's, – it's, it's nice to be able to see it that way, I think. It'd yeah. be lovely to uh, – yeah, yeah. I don't even know why. Also, I would feel differently about it if we didn't then in season two see Ruthie really try to protect Nadia in many, many ways. Um, and obviously she becomes like her mother figure. Because mm. I think what Ruthie wanted Nadia to do is not think of her mum as this as the damage in order to move on and, and heal. It's like her mother was actually a wonderful person. She just happened to unfortunately have this illness that – created the trauma rather than the mum herself, which is true of mental illness. Okay, stereotypes. Stereotypes. Are there any stereotypes that we don't like? Silence. (laughs) (laughs) There was, I was reading about the belief that Nadia could have prevented Alan's suicide, Mm. um, which I guess is a stereotype in a way. It's like, yeah. yeah. Um, But... That's true. That's a good point. Because I think I think in the way that it, like I'm, I'm not trying to say in any way that if you uh, you see someone you know showing signs or um, warning signs of suicide that you should not reach out um, and try and help. But the fact that they're literal strangers is yeah. Like, in that same way, it's like how the fuck is she supposed to know that she has to help? Like I think this the time loop was going to happen regardless, mm. and I think in the context of you know, the last episode where they help each other out. She tries to stop him from suiciding, but he's also trying to help her. So it's like the key thing is they have to help, help each, each other, other. Yeah. rather than feeling responsible for each other. Yes, yes, yes. No, okay, yeah, yeah. That's how I read it. Yeah, and because I was, I was reading this article that was talking about it um, in that way because, it, like, it, 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 it almost brings that up as a point and but then kind of, like, corrects itself by the overall premise being that the bigger point is that the show makes is that we're all in it together and at some point or another we all need help. Um, yeah, like I think it's, it's not practical to think that she could have helped him that first night, but, you know. And I think the, the message was that they both have to learn to ask for help and, and connect with people outside of mm. their usual rigmarole, yeah, rigmarole um, and, and open themselves up 
you yeah. know? Yeah, in a way it kind of subverts the stereotype of trying to help the person just for the sake of that and feeling yeah. responsible for it. Because it's more that help everyone. It's more them trying to be responsible for their own lives. I don't want to fucking help people. <laughs> no, no. I'm a good person. I'm a good person, okay? I'm a good person. Um, what have you written? Crazy 80s boomer mum? Yeah, I just thought, you know, someone could draw a very long bow and say that it's a stereotype of your mum and maybe that's just us millennials. Uh, but yeah, 80s parents seem to be a bad 80s parents. <laughs> a real bad. Be. But I also don't know if that's... Latchkey kids. What does that even mean? Like, what's a latchkey? You just let yourself in. I just do whatever you yeah. want. Yeah. I would love Come that. home when it's dark. Yeah. But that doesn't... Is it an accurate stereotype? Maybe. I don't... Th- I don't think it's a stereotype in this show because especially with season two, it's much more complex than like, my mum was crazy. Like everyone is more complex. But also at the same time, like we haven't talked about Nadia's grandmother and like the Lenora and relationship, but I think maybe that's too much to unpack, but they don't, (laughs) it doesn't seem like that type of relationship. She's very much like when Lenora doesn't come home, she's like, where have you been? Like, she's not... It might have been the opposite direction to being too hard, yeah. hardline. I think that has a lot to do authoritarian. with authoritarian. Maybe that, um, like, Im- immigrant, <laughs> immigrant. Yeah. No, but it's a very again intergenerational. It's very trauma. yeah. It's very just reminds. It reminds me of like nonny behavior. The, like, it's where the have generation. you been? <laughs> where have you been? I'm you took no out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's that that type of relationship. Yeah, I feel like we see where everyone's sort of quote-unquote, and we're always using quotations when we say crazy on this podcast. But Oh, leading into. But, yeah, the, the quote-unquote crazy is explored with within everyone in a very complex, nuanced way. It's, yeah. it's not – nothing is really black and white in this show. No. And when you see Natasha or Nadia on the surface, you're like, she's hectic, she's chaos. But she's also not. Like yeah. there's also so much that's not like that. Yeah. Um, so I think it really does a real good job of subverting the sort of quote-unquote crazy stereotype, which Ruthie says, uh, like, wrote this, we, we don't, don't use the word, word crazy in this house. house. And it's like, I think it's like season. And she's a psychologist. Yeah, she's a psychologist. What she, she does, what's the thing that she does? She does something with the brain. Tapping. Oh, yeah. No, she's doing something. Um, It's called EMDR. It's. Eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So it's a very common therapy for trauma um, to people to sort of minimize the distress of processing trauma, traumatic events using sort of tapping or um, engaging in your eye movement because that provides like doing it apparently. And, and there is lots of evidence and research around it. I've never been trained in it and it sounds very you know, you'd only be trained on it if you were planning on doing it a lot. Yeah. So yeah, it's not something you just like. Oh, I'll give it a go. But a lot of psychs do it these days. Um. But yeah. So she, I think she she says it twice, and I think she says it. It's like pretty early on. She just says like, um. Well, actually, in like the first episode, someone calls Nadia crazy, and she's like, "I am not crazy. I am not a cockroach. <laughs> what accent I'm, I'm doing? I'm not a cockroach. I'm not crazy." Um, and then yeah, she says to Ruthie like, "Oh, I'm, something about crazy," and she's like, "No, no, 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 no. We don't use that yeah. word in this house." And like by most common metrics, she, like she is the crazy type. Yeah, like she presents as I'm not she's calling her crazy, B. but she's the cluster B. Is that what we call them? Is that what we call us? Is that what we call me? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't usually use that. Um, 
But yeah, she's loud, eccentric, haphazard, makes split seconds decisions. She's, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we're reminded by Ruth that she's not, in fact, crazy. No, that's, yeah. yeah. And I, I she, like picked up, like when she first goes to Ruth and is like, okay, this is happening. I'm dying all the time. I'm stuck in this loop. This is weird. Ruth, like, just like, she says to her, like, do you remember when, th- like, earlier on in your life, you said, like, if things got really bad um, with you, um, we had a safe word. And mm. Nadia's like, yeah, this like the safe word's purple. And she's like, I'm saying the safe word now. And then Ruth's like, okay, let's get you to this. Like, like she's kind of saying, like, Nadia's saying to Ruth, like, I'm not feeling good. I'm, I feel like I'm showing traits of my mother's condition. Yes. And I think I need to receive help for that. And Ruth is like, yep, yeah, okay, let's get you to... Like, it's just dealt with nicely. Yeah. Like, not in a, like, a a forceful way. And she's kind of, she doesn't want to make that choice. Mm. Like, she's not doing it. Like, she's not being like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, let's go. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of everything we know about Nadia up to that point kind of makes her seem irresponsible. But it seems like a responsible thing to do. Yeah, for sure. And it shows insight. Yeah. um, Which she's got good insight. So there's really... There's no concern. Yeah. In in that way. But then she dies on the way to the cycle anyway, so it's like No, whatever. yeah. Also, I was watching a video. So like there's three that these three asshole dudes keep showing up in the loops. Mm. Um so in the fir- the very first loop, there's a three three guys in the bodega <laughs> that are like fucking like she fucks with for a bit. Yeah. 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 And then they're also the EMT like the uh, EMT? Oh, the, the emergency. The, yeah, they're the ones that put it and then they keep popping up in different spots yeah. apparently. That's just an interesting fact. Oh, I didn't even think about them. I don't know. Who are they? What that? I think they're just assholes. They're just assholes. Yeah, so what were you going to say? Uh, um, yeah, it is. I think it is a bit of a stereotype that Alan is, like, it's one of his biggest the- fears of, like. His therapy. His therapy. Yeah. But. I didn't like that. <laughs> I also know it's, well, I think, a lot less common now, but I know a lot of, like, I know, yeah. personally know a lot of people who are like, fucking, it's like the most terrifying thing in the world. It's like, Especially with You get those... to talk to someone about yourself for an hour. Like, what's terrifying about that? I think with very extreme, like, OCD and anxiety related to that, therapy is someone else's in the, con- well, yeah. it's perceived as there's someone else in the control yeah. seat yeah. Um, and you have to kind of give in to them and that might take you down, especially with, with some anxiety is exposure therapy, which is extremely yeah, terrifying to yeah, people yeah, 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 yeah. with phobias. So I'm, there's validity in being a bit terrified I of therapy. a psychiatrist that kind of semi kind of suggest exposure therapy to me, but I just think that's fucking terrifying. What, what was really the exposure? Scary. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. I did a bit of exposure therapy and I was really scared of it, but it was, it was really no, like I'm, it, obviously it works. It's just scary. Yeah, obviously, it's scary. That's what that's the nature. But it's of it. you know it's it's done in a sequential way so that you're most comfortable at each stage. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, and same you've got thing. strategies to deal with it. Um, but so I, Alan should just buck up and get therapy. <laughs> but then he does do yeah. therapy. Which is, but I don't, I don't. Well, it's not very ethical because it's someone that Nadia knows because he does it with Ruthie. Yeah. But also like he's about to die. Like yeah, it's like, it, it's, it's the space time continuous. Pluff, pluff, pish posh. Pish posh. But I think this is a quote that I stole from somewhere um, mm. about Ruth, but she says as an effective, insightful and caring therapist, she knows that no one is truly crazy. People are simply a collection of behaviors. Sometimes those behaviors are dysfunctional. Sometimes they're not. But when the behavior is dysfunctional, it can often be traced to unprocessed trauma. And mm. that is just 
She does, as far as depictions go of therapists, I really like her because she's also a bit cool. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She she's, is. She's, she's like shows up to the party, like yeah, you know, party and full of, she like, smokes like a stuff. chimney and never stops. And yeah, she's, she's fucking me. No. <laughs> you know, you don't when you see psychologists in movies, they're always like, you know, they've got the shawl and yeah. they're, they're very respectful and very professional. But even in um They're a bit wooden season two. She's got personality. Even season two she's got personality. She's got yeah. pizzazz, some panache. Yeah. Some panache. Um, helpful, harmful. Well, I think it's overwhelmingly helpful. But um Yeah, and you know, that's um rare these days. It's rare. Rare for us. After Willy Wonka. And I think what Nadia was trying, Nadia, what Natasha was trying to do with this, like she talks about how she kidnaps her inner child to fix herself. Oh, yeah. That's um, and where that goes that. from there as well, because. You can't. <laughs> you can't do that. But she's also asking, like this is her words, she's asking, I just like the idea that she was in this overcoat with le- leather and fucking sunglasses and smoking at night being like, I got baby me. I fixed it. I fixed it. <laughs> because, like, what's the plan from there? And when I was watching that, I was like, does anyone have a bottle for the baby? Like, <laughs> is the baby being fed? Is anyone changing their nappy? Yeah, like, but the then fuck? she gives it to her friends and they're like, they're like, like, like thank God they're, like, really good with babies <laughs> yeah. because they're, like. But, yeah. She doesn't know what she's doing. It's a very good point because it's, like, what was the end game? Yeah. <laughs> like, it just Why does not did make any sense. What did she think she was going to do? You know, with that in mind, she's like, you know, the purpose is, you know, this is what a life experience feels like. You're going to have regret. You're going to have fear. You're going to have shame. That sucks. But how do you rejig the point of view to, with the time I've got left, this is what I've learned. So I'm going to try and do things a little bit differently. Like, Mm. what do I do with life? And I know, I think Alan, the Charlie Barnett says, um, the first season's all about how they stop dying and the second season is how they how do they live how do they start living isn't that just beautiful and what's the third one going to be the afterlife i don't know how, <laughs> how do they die again um and she talks about like having a chosen family um and realizing that some of their commonalities might be like in this that might have skipped a generation like they have a lot more in common with their grandparents and their mothers and sort of talking about your own your own family story more truthfully or with forgiveness because you understand that people come come by their damage honestly she says mm. um it's really hard. she's a very deep person like she really wanted to share a lot of things around trauma and generational trauma but also how she's sort of gone through that herself and how she's trying to live her life yeah but i think i think with anything with trauma, it's not linear. Like no, it doesn't just. Oh, I'm at it this point now, and, and I'll be at this point forever. It yeah. swings and roundabouts, Master. Swings and roundabouts. Yeah, it really does. Ups Remember, we're going through it. I was wondering. I just thought oh. of this as we were talking. You know, we were talking about schizophrenia and the fact that Nani is really worried that she has the same traits that her mother had mm-hmm. going through this time loop thing. Could you take a step back and look at the show as just an experience of schizophrenia or psychosis because she goes through two Alan. experiences or maybe Alan doesn't exist. Who knows? She could be in his mind. Or Alan is going through some shared psychosis with her. Could you could you look at it through that you lens? Could look at it through that lens, but I hate that. Me too. Like I really <laughs> I, I don't think I haven't read anything suggesting yeah, that I so have, far. But I just it's just that oh, it was all a dream. It's just that it's like like don't Donnie Darko. 
Mm. Like, would you, would you, people do make that comparison? Would you rather believe that he saves the world or that he's just schizophrenic and it's all in his head? But what is the problem with just saying that this is an experience of schizophrenia? Like, does he have to save the world? No, but it's just like it's a more compelling story and it doesn't. Yeah. I guess Donnie Darko is different because the two actually do connect because he, it's. The the psychologist (laughs) does. Oh, now we're talking about Donnie Darko. (laughs) I don't know what the fuck. (laughs) Don't worry about it. I don't know. I feel like if it was. I don't know if it would be harmful, helpful, more powerful if if Russian Doll was just an experience, two experiences of psychosis. No, I don't, because I don't at like the end, theory. I hate it. I don't know. At the end, she she feels what? So what happened? At the her, end, she her, just cures it. No, no, not saying that she cures it. She probably Getting have another episode. <laughs> no, it could be that going through this process had a you know outcome of her feeling more in control of her life or making some changes in her life and being able to move on, whether it's psychosis or actual time travel, does it matter? If yes. the outcome is the same and she doesn't hurt anyone, she almost kills herself as a baby <laughs> from malnutrition. <laughs> but, no, I don't like it. I'm not. I'm, but like, I, I I'm going to keep that in, though, because that's you a can keep it for in. you as listeners. No, it is. But, but I you just, don't like that. Well, I just think, well, what was the whole point of the fucking show then? Like I, like I understand, like it, like it's that compelling. would be fine. But you know, she still goes through the same journey of realizing she can't change her past. It's just that it wasn't time travel; it was in her head. So what? Because like, no, <laughs> you like things to be very black and white. I fuck off! I do not. <laughs> don't like. Don't do that to me. I'm sorry. I'm the least likely person to feel that way. I'm. I'm nuanced. I'm nuanced You're queen. Nuanced. Everything is relative. That's my You're motto. nuanced queen. Right? <laughs> it, it's not so much that it can't be that it's all in her head. I just think if that were to be the case, it's like lazy writing because it's like, mm. well, what was the point? Like, I just feel like it's... It's still good writing. No, no, what I, I see okay, is still good. Not in this case, but I feel like it's used in as like a trope in movies and it's TV all shows, a dream. which I just really frustrates me yeah. and I just try. I just... I feel like it would diminish this. So if there was like a, a point at the end was like, did it really happen? Yeah, I'd fucking You'd be hate like, it. fuck you. If yeah. it was Inception. Also, Inception's oh. a terrible movie. Rewatched it recently. <laughs> it's just so stupid. It doesn't make any sense. There is a TikToker called Neuroscience Theatre yeah. and she talks about the neuroscience between things like Inception and I want to do a little collab with her if she will let me. Oh, my God, please, because it's so... <laughs> She can talk about the neuroscience. I can talk about the psychology. And everyone's so serious, and it's just so stupid. <laughs> everyone's like, oh, I can't stand it. Anyway, um, let's finish off with harmful. Mm. Could it have been harmful? But they like deal with it. I I think the depiction of mum smoking, drinking, taking drugs while pregnant, pregnant. is a little bit flippant, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's probably reality. But, yeah, it's not romanticised in any way. And I don't no, think Nadia's mum not. is romanticised in any way. So I wouldn't necessarily. I think if season one was by itself, I would kind of feel like we didn't really get to empathise and understand her as much as we could have. Yeah. But season two definitely does that, I think. Yeah, I felt the same way about Alan in, in season two. Like we could have learned more about him. But at the same time, like I, we had enough to cover. Like, And they, I like that. They keep the show short. They don't keep going on yeah, and on. Yeah, yeah. And sweet. everything is – it is – it's actually – it's not Schrodinger's cat, whatever that means, but it is Chekhov's gun. Everything has a point and everything is well-placed and everything, like, you know, 
is there for, on purpose. And I think that's mm. really good. It's yeah. got nothing to do with helpful or harmful. I just like the show. I think I'm always looking at harmful depictions of suicide, which I do not think this happens because we don't even really see. Um, no, I was actually engaged in suicidal reading behavior. about that because I think something to do with um, laws around depicting suicide or yeah. something like that. Um, I think it like was fine because you actually don't. You don't see him you really see, do anything. You see him, I think, at the very start, like he starts to remember and then he, he relays the information to Nadia. So, yeah, mm. it's not, yeah, it's actually not. It's pretty responsible Yeah, dealing with it. Still probably would have been good with a trigger warning at the beginning. Yeah. Just just to cover it. But, but the, it, like, this was 2019. They were fucking showing, like, <laughs> 10, 13 reasons why. why. Bullshit. Fuck me dead. The one thing could be considered harmful is that Nadia does not change her lifestyle. No, at the start at of season all. two, she says she stops. She's not smoking, but she didn't say it was going well. <laughs> she <laughs> says <laughs> no. Actually, that's what Jinx says. I know, that's not but that's him. basically no. She's <laughs> she's not smoking, and then she tra- time travels, and then she starts smoking, she starts smoking again because again, she's yeah. fucking time traveling. So, oh, like, mate. fucking fair. Give the give her give the dog a bone. But you know, knickknack paddywhack. In the last scene for Ruth's funeral, I'm pretty sure she's drinking and stuff though, right? Yeah, I don't remember. Ruth just died. What's I she going to do? I know, I'm just saying that, you know, there's no real depiction of her really changing her lifestyle. I don't have a problem with it though because um, what's really important is her own mental well-being and sense of self. And it's very important to recognise that with things like addiction, if she was indeed addicted, and she was in real life at least, they are a symptom, not a cause mm-hmm. yeah. of they are that root um, trauma which she's experienced. But also, and she's ipso facto. Ipso facto. No, but also like that. Like, that is that not just addiction? Sorry, is that not just addiction? In most cases, yeah. But like yeah, I'm saying that she's worked on her sort of inner core yeah. traumas rather than but the stuff around did it. Did I say before? I don't necessarily think she's addicted to any particular substance. I think she's addicted to not feeling, and she's addic- mm. addicted to numbing and just getting yeah. generally fucked up. Because we don't, Which is, besides cigarettes, we don't see her take anything um, consistently. She just kind no, of she's she she's, gets, she's being hacked. She's, like she's being anything. reckless. She's being reckless, yeah. basically. So, you know, who amongst us is know. not doing a fucking, what's it called? Um, nangs. Oh. <laughs> no. What does she do, nangs? <laughs> no, you're just doing this. So oh, no. Um, like, if someone offered me a quaalude, I'd be like, bitch, let's go. Okay. Are they the ones you put up your bum? <laughs> no, they're like suppositories. Yeah. Um, quaaludes, you can't get them anymore. I think actually you can. They're like Wolf of Wall Street, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, they not manufacturing them in like the 90s because they were just like, didn't really serve any purpose other than getting fucked up. Mm. And I think you can still find them, but they're like not, you know, they're probably full of shit. Mm. And she gets offered a quaalude like well, as soon as she oh, gets yeah, there. Right. And she's like, yes! So, <laughs> yeah, so now you see, yeah. that's a responsible thing to do. Take the quaalude. <laughs> Take the quaalude if you're quaalude. offered it. No, but yeah, it's like, um, she just wants whatever she can to escape. Yeah. And that's often what addicts do. So it's yeah. just, it's not a particular substance. It's the experience of being inebriated. Yeah. Yeah. And numbed. numbed. And. Hi. Hi, how are you? <laughs> what are 
our final scores. I'm not going to give it a five out of five because that's it's too. Four out of four, Mez. Get with the program. Fuck, uh, we did. Lived experience, yes, big tick. Accuracy, I think it's pretty good based on what we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, stereotypes. Uh, stereotypes. Yeah, tick. Yeah, I'd give it a tick. And helpful, harmful. It's pretty helpful. Yeah, I don't really, I don't see much help harmful with it. Unless you're like super anti smoking and anti drugs. If you're like a loser, you might find <laughs> it harmful. But well, like. I wouldn't, I wouldn't screen it to Casper. Not yet. But I just, I'm li- swearing in it. We're just swearing in it. I like the way that it, it doesn't, it's not so much like normalizing drugs and alcohol, but it's just like appreciating it in a way that is realistic mm. because like uh, I guess it's also New York and you know everyone's cool and trendy and like have a, like a lot of money somehow have, can afford they have crazy a things joint lace with cocaine which sounds interesting I'm sure you could find that in Australia but I like the way that it treats drugs yeah it, it doesn't demonize it in the same way you see it a lot yeah because like even when she does start to to take care of herself more and stuff and stuff blah blah blah, blah like the drugs are still there and it, I just feel like besides her like I said at the party, everyone's kind of enjoying themselves and doing those things like in, within moderation. And I think it's fine. Mm. I don't know. Thanks, That's all I'll say. Thanks, Baz, for joining us. That's and right. thank you, uh, small boy, small son, who cried twice during this recording but went back to sleep Yeah. without his jummy. Don't forget to rate and review us. It helps get our podcast out there. So you've got to do it for me and for Maz. Do you have any new reviews? Shut up, no. No, just ask you. Um, um, uh, oh, so I'm doing Google reviews at the moment, everyone. Um, so, like, every time I go to, like, a new place, I do a review and I upload a photo. And I've got, like, I get, like hundreds of <laughs> photo views and stuff. So if you um, want to find me on Google Maps, I don't know how you can find me, but well, I'm find, there. Well, find Maz on, po- on Instagram. On Poo- <laughs> find Maz on Instagram at Poo Girl, and then I'm sure she'll post some of her Google reviews. Yeah. Um, also add a psychocinematic podcast to your Instagram and TikTok. I've got 500 followers now on TikTok, Maz. Yeah, I've got like 100. Oh, I'm better than you. It's all right, yeah, but I'm not like promoting. I don't have any ulterior motives. I'm just making content that slaps. I've got ulterior motives. Yeah. Listen to our podcast. Also follow us on Twitter. Sometimes I do some tweets. And thank um, God Lizzo apologized. And uh, join our Patreon. We will have some bonus content, including all the oft cut off. Oft. <laughs>